Welcome to Movies Are Life. I'm your host, Nathan Chandler. Today we are traveling to Paris and seeking out the world's best photo booths to discuss the 2001 international hit Amelie, which is number 33 on the 50 best rom-coms list. I'm thrilled to be inviting a first-time guest onto the podcast, Nikki Howe. How are you doing, Nikki? I am outstanding. How are you, Nathan? <laughs> I'm doing great. So I haven't known uh, Nikki Long. Uh, like me, she's a resident of Norman, Oklahoma, and we're both currently in the 2023 class of Leadership Norman, which is a program run by the Norman Chamber of Commerce. And from what I hear, we are the best class ever. Isn't that right? That's the That's what I've heard around the town. I will endorse that statement. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, even though uh, we don't know each other, I think it's, it's fair to say extremely well. Uh, we quickly discovered early on in class that we have a, a joint love for all things kind of entertainment, television, and movies. And so, I'm glad you accepted my invitation <laughs> to be a guest because I, I've always enjoyed your enthusiasm for all things. So, I think it'll come across <laughs> for this movie. Well, I hope so. I hope that I, I, this is sort of a like a a weird dream come true in a way. I'm like, oh, I'm being a part of a podcast. All I do all day long or listen to podcasts every and all genre. And now I'm being recorded. My husband was uh, cackling at my anxiety. He was like, this is going to be okay. And I was like, all right, if you say so. So, Well, that's, that's why I'm here for is just to make people's dreams come true. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so um, so uh, if people aren't familiar with Amelie, I, I think it's definitely a movie. Like if you mention it, people are like, Oh, Wait, that sounds familiar, you know, which is kind of rare for international film sometimes, but mm -hmm. it's us. Oh, and we were just talking before we started recording on this. Uh, I'm horrible with pronunciations. I, I've never been to France. So anyway, I'm going to murder a lot of uh, pronunciations here. But uh, Amelie, it's also known in, in France as the fabulous destiny of Amelie Poulain. I guess, <laughs> but uh, so Amelie was released in 2001 and is directed by Jean-Pierre Genoux. <laughs> the film, the film is a whimsical depiction of contemporary Parisian life. And it tells the story of a shy waitress played by Audrey Tatou, who decides to change the lives of those around her for the better while dealing with her own isolation. The film features a great ensemble cast of supporting roles. It was theatrically released in France on April 25th, 2001, the film received widespread critical acclaim with major praise for Tattoo's performance, cinematography, production design, and writing. If people were familiar with it, it's probably because it was nominated for five Academy Awards, including Best Foreign Language Film and Best Original Screenplay. The film was a major commercial success, grossing $174.2 million worldwide against a budget of $10 million, and is one of the biggest international successes for a French film. So when I was starting to think about covering this list and I saw it, I was thrilled to see that Amelie was on the list, but I was also a little nervous because I was um, afraid. I was like, who's going to sign up <laughs> for Amelie? And when you mentioned that was the movie, I was, I was thrilled. So um, I, 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 you kind of mentioned before we hit record, uh, started recording, but I, I kind of assumed you, you said you had a connection to is this movie. Is that why you wanted to discuss this? Yeah. Um, First of all, my husband believes he should be in this seat in this interview and not me. This is his all-time favorite film. Oh yeah. Uh, it's his favorite movie. Um and in our early 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 on in our courtship, um we weren't even we weren't dating. We hadn't been out on a date. We were just sort of um embarking on a companionship where we would talk about the news or things we were sort of passionate about or recommendations with 
whether it be movies or books. And one day we decided we were going to exchange DVDs, our favorite DVDs. And um, I was like, I'm going to knock his socks off with mine. Uh, it was uh, Into the Wild, the Chris McCandless story. Okay. Uh, so it's kind of based on true events. And this, uh, this guy is like sowing his wild oats. He like rips up his um his social security card and totally goes off the grid and lives off the land and the soundtrack is stellar it's eddie vetter i was like i've got i'm taking the cake on this and then he hands over amelie which i had never even heard of um and i watched it and i was like that was incredibly charming um but it's not a film i would have been expecting this six foot tall six foot two tall you know like big man to be recommending and um anyways i was super charmed and couldn't wait to give him glowing reviews and he sh absolutely shredded my movie <laughs> he was like that movie was garbage that guy's selfish he blew off his whole family and then he dies starving on a bus what the hell was that and i was like oh my god you're right so uh that's no longer my favorite movie <laughs> it me out of it I still love the soundtrack and uh, we'll be an Eddie Vedder stand forever. But, um, but yeah, that was sort of, that was our first embarking on um, our relationship. He recommended that movie and then it was, well, why don't we watch it together? And that sort of led to a first hangout. So, mm -hmm. um, and he, he just, Oh, my, you may not know this. My husband has a background in film. He did lots oh. of acting. Um, in fact, a film that he was in, one dead center film festival. Um, this is a long time ago. Um, oh, wow. But he's, he's written, acted, directed. He paid for college by doing acting and performing gigs. So he's so much more passionate about this sort of thing than I am. But this movie, every time I see it, I get like a little butterfly. I'm like, Oh, Oh yeah. That's, yeah. That sparked a, a thing that led to my marriage essentially. So yeah. I well, do, I do love this movie for that reason. Well, well, I'm a little nervous now knowing his background <laughs> with all that. Oh, uh, but. He, please do not be because we, he and I will, we digest films entirely different. Um, I, I am very engrossed in the plot and I'm sort of gaming out the characters and inadvertently predicting what's going to happen next and sort of recognizing the tropes and um, letting, letting the story sort of, um unfold and taking context clues john is watching the the camera angles he's like he is behind the camera he is like oh my gosh did you see they did that in one take i'm like what no <laughs> I, I don't even know what to look for so he he's ingesting the film an entirely different perspective so um do not be intimidated because i'm not coming i'm not coming here with any um <laughs> any prior knowledge that john would he's probably at the door listening in like wanting to interject any minute. Cause he's so passionate about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, I mean, you, you definitely, I think, uh, passed a litmus test for sure, because that's, that's a bold, that's a bold move to go with this, with this film, not because of the film itself, but I mean, you know, I, that, that's almost like, I think introducing, you know, when you introduce one of your favorite bands, you know, to someone that you're, you know, might be dating and stuff. And if they totally hate it, you're like, Oh, I don't know if this, I don't know if this will work yeah. out or not. <laughs> yep. It was, um, I mean, he is not. So here's another fun fact about this film and sort of the history it has in my relationship. Um, John and his brother, they're a couple years apart. Um, 
they're super duper close and they have this sort of um it's like a, a a trump card that they're they're really careful with it they don't deploy it just with any little thing but if there's something that they want to recommend and they're like i'm i'm about to recommend something that's going to change your life you have to read watch um listen to this thing and for john it was harry potter to his brother and for john's brother michael it was this movie for oh john, wow it was like you have to watch this. Stop what you're doing. Clear your schedule. You're watching this movie. So um, once again, I'm just building this movie up for its significance in, in my family <laughs> or in my, my marriage, and my relationship. But um, I, I think John and I have a different, ultimately we have a different um, view of this movie. We've been talking about it a lot um, in preparation for this. And um, it's funny how we see it through different lenses. Okay, I'm glad you said that because it, very similar. I can't remember why I was originally so taken with it when it came out. I, I had to see it in college at some point. That's the only frame of reference that I can gather. I own the DVD as well, but it's probably had been since then since I saw the DVD. Mm -hmm. And it, I, I do think, like you mentioned, um, I can totally, watching it now, I could totally see maybe why I was so enraptured in it. All the things... Uh, the production design, cine cinematography, all that mm -hmm. um, uh, still extremely stands out. The story itself, I could see maybe why I was taken with it a little bit more when I was younger mm -hmm. than I am now. Than I am now. Uh, yeah. Did, did you feel like that? Absolutely. No, I mean, I hate to say that age makes you a little more of a cynic, but it's, <laughs> I wouldn't even call it, I wouldn't even say age. I think having children, um, I'm like, you're just going into these people's apartments. That's not safe. You don't know them. <laughs> Something bad, terrible is going to happen to you. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of that, that I'm, I'm reading the storyline. You really have to suspend, you know, mm -hmm. your belief. You just have to, you know, go in the whole movie. It toes this line between um, imagination and reality. And to enjoy the film, you have to just totally buy in because I could see, I, I can see why it could be a love, love it or hate it sort of thing. Like it's maybe too fanciful for, or too whimsical for a lot of people. Um, but if you're someone that can just sort of allow yourself to escape into a movie and a plot and a story like this, um, it's so fun. It's so fun in the imagery, the colors, it's like this green sepia toned something it's it was shot 2001 like but it feels it it feels so much older it feels like the like this nostalgic parisian um sort of what we all fantasize about like if we lived in paris and we're mm -hmm. um dining on a cafe at, at a, on a patio on a parisian street it like it has that but then it has these pops of red it'll be this like green brown sepia thing and then boom a pop of red and you kind of can't stop looking for that pop of of red or blue or green or whatever the scene dictates. Um, it, it's really fun. And I might be, I might be jumping around here. So feel free no, no, to no. be back on track. No, I, I totally agree with you. I think it was a little hard um, to uh, not, not watch this movie, but kind of think, I, I, I feel like probably we've seen maybe a lot more films now in this style uh, that, you know, lots of kind of fantasy type of, imagery and even the colors and stuff. And I really do think 
I had to kind of think back and go, no, I think this movie really kicked off kind of a revolution, uh, especially when telling something like a quote unquote rom-com movie of being a little bit more artistic behind mm -hmm. it. Cause yeah, it's definitely beautiful. And like, as you mentioned, uh, uh, the keyword there, imaginative, <laughs> really, th that's actually what I wrote down in my notes of like, I, I, I particularly really liked the beginning of the movie and how it set up this world and just kind of what kind of, um, dreamlike state we are kind of jumping into mm -hmm. and so yeah i agree with you um have, have you ever been to france i actually haven't been to france and i've i've spent a fair amount of time in europe but haven't been to france specifically um so i feel like i have to suspend the disbelief i i can it matches my fantasy it um and i know that um Genet, the director, writer, producer, uh, he had to do a lot of of work to sort of capture that imagery. And it allegedly, legend has it, that <laughs> it broke him. He, cause he kind of does everything under a bubble. Um, all his movies before, he wants to control the wind, the lighting, every little thing. So this movie was, I think the one and only time, or it was the last time that he, um, that he did something like actually out in the world with, where he couldn't control all the elements oh. it was in he's i mean a lot like his characters he's a little neurotic he's a little ocd so this was really challenging for him um there are scenes where they're in like a a plaza like outside of a, a train station and there's not a speck of litter on the ground there's not a, a leaf out of like it's it's spotless and that i think nearly killed the man just trying to control everything because it has to it had to match what he imagined it would look like um which is also it's it's just not real nothing nothing is that pretty or that perfect or that um controlled so you really do sort of feel like you're in his his head but through the lens of this character he dreamt up in amelie um did you ever see the shape of water i think is what it was called yeah yeah, yeah it has that same uh -huh. sort of color and the pops of like red here and there, whether it's lipstick or high heels or whatever, it, it reminded me a lot of that. Um, and Guillermo del Toro does a lot of the same stuff. Like you, you're not in any sort of, um, of real world situation. It's all very like, um, dreamt up. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like, I don't know if you saw his, uh, nightmare alley, but it's almost like, um, we would like to think that's what like the carnal uh, carnies look like, or, you know, like back in the day, but <laughs> I'm sure it was far grosser <laughs> than what we see. On screen. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Um, yeah. But I like that connection that you make. Cause that totally makes sense of, uh, yeah, this movie, um, very much, <laughs> I, I, I kind of wrote down that this was like an introverts, like, like, fever dream almost uh, like almost kind of like yeah if i venture to go outside everything mm -hmm. will be in its place that completely makes sense especially with the characters I, I bet he saw himself almost as the glass the glass man in this yeah. initial you know as far as kind of shepherding you know kind of being a mentor to amelie so to speak but you know obviously never leaving his uh his apartment his yeah, dwelling so the, the control room and what I, something I observed, so I watched it again this evening and just to get it all real fresh in my mind. 
um, something I observed is everybody's alone with the exception of the one couple that um, early on in her investigation, trying to find the owner of that um, little tin time capsule that that little boy left in her apartment. Um, Everybody lives alone. Everyone's alone. And, and I think the, the theme kind of is loneliness. It's introverted loneliness. um, And, obviously solving that problem, which is why it, it sort of becomes a, a romance is her sort of coming full circle. She's helping everybody. And then in the end she is helped. And um, anyways, but everyone's alone. And so being, being alone, it borders on creepy because they're all peeping Toms. They're all like listening in yes. to each other's apartments and like, that's just, that's just once again, not real world. But I think because they're alone and they're not, they don't have the like the white noise, the chatter of a full house of um, a partner or children or whatever. They are really in tune to everything happening around them and the other people's lives. And it's like, you know, human nature is to enjoy gossip and what the people around you are doing. Um, but they are all so in tune to every everything that's happening around them and everybody else's stuff. But I thought that was odd. I was like, wow, there's there are no there are no families. It's just right. Amelie in an apartment, uh, Dufayel in an apartment. Um, oh, Colignon, the the grocer, he lives alone. It everyone in the the lonely uh, landlord. Um, everyone's alone. It's like, oh man, that's that's a weird thing I hadn't picked up on until today. Like, um, and maybe that's that's why they're so sort of eager to meddle in each other's lives, whether it's to punish or reward. You know, she. Um, Anyway, so it was an interesting theme that I picked up on that I hadn't really like tuned into before. No, that's a that's amazing. That's that almost thinking about it that way <laughs> makes me want to watch it again to kind of see it through that lens. Because I won't lie, I um I, I I know it's cliche for even people to say I'm an extrovert or I'm an introvert or <laughs> and I, I've always said I'm a, I'm a I'm a pretty good mix. Like I, I do, I, I do enjoy social circles, but if I have a night to myself, I'm golden. I'm okay. You know, type of thing. But this movie made me realize I may be more extroverted because these characters really frustrated me in a mm-hmm. lot of ways, but you like, just kind of like, Oh my gosh, just almost in a way, like get over yourself. Like just, you know, and I, I like how he, the glass man does eventually kind of coax her to like, you know, he kind of pushes it kind of like, what are you, you know, what are you doing? You know, to, you know, go out and, you know, live your life. And so, but you saying that, man, really makes sense. Cause what I did latch onto was the community aspect, uh, you know, of things. And I think it's easy to look at someone who might be very introverted and kind of think that they, they don't appreciate community. And it's not mm-hmm. that at all. It's just that that usually, um, I saw like a cartoon one time and it completely made sense. Like there's an introvert and they have a bubble around them. And it's like, once they let you into the bubble, <laughs> like you're in, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're golden. And I think this is kind of like what this movie is like, is like, I like my community. This is, this is who, you know, is around me and I'm okay with that. But the kind of the cat and mouse, the cat and mouse angle of the story, like, my younger self, I really kind of was into it. Cause especially I know when I saw this, I was single and just the kind of, you know, just the little things that they do kind of back and mm-hmm. forth really appealed to me. 
it, I'm, I guess I'm becoming an old man. I was a little bit kind of, uh, I mean, I thought it was cute, but I kind of, mm-hmm. in the same moment was just like, just talk to each other. You two. <laughs> yeah. No one's got this kind of time to be wasting playing. Like, exactly. Scavenger hunt. Um, with, yeah, I, I agree. And I, that part I is not the part that my like older cynical self was um like kind of rolling my eyes at um for me it was it was more just the the like the looseness with the rules and safety and I'm like in in America someone's probably got a gun if you're sneaking into their apartment you're in big trouble like uh <laughs> you know like I couldn't I couldn't sort of like like I, I said this earlier code switch I couldn't be like um this is this is Paris. This is like a, a small sort of neighborhood. Um, it's different, but I, I do remember being like, I kept having to check myself. I was like, you're in this in between world watching this movie. Stop trying to apply reason. There's no, there is no reason. Right. And um, I, I think a big part of this film too, is also just uh, celebrating those who dream, you know, uh, obviously like her imagination. I, I don't know. I, I I know Whitney would definitely say this about me. I, I can be a, a realist uh, way too often, <laughs> I think. And so I, I don't know if I necessarily connect to that, like always kind of dreaming or were you ever that type of person at all that? Um, um, I I think that I, I did. I found myself identifying with Amelie in a lot of ways when she was a little girl. I had, um, I always had, so, so much of the movie, so much of the film is very um, geared towards sensory stuff, mm-hmm. um, especially the beginning when you hear the sound effect of the the dominoes crackling, the her hand in the in the bag of lentils, and like mm-hmm. um, it's really trying to appeal to all these like sensory things. Um, and when I was a kid, I I was very into that that stuff, the sounds of the zipper. Like I was always like zip 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 zip. Um, they're like clicking coins and like the ridges on a quarter, like picking up on all that, the stuff and how it sounds and diff- on different um, materials and just sort of always playing a game in my head and patterns L- a lot. Like Amelie was doing as she was doing it as a remedy for loneliness. Um, I was just a weird kid. Um, and my dad, my dad would lose his mind because he'd be in a grocery store and I, I can only walk, I can only step on these tiles, but I have to do it in this in the sequence, dad, don't you understand? Um, and of course he didn't. He was like, you know, we got places to be. We got to go. Why are you supporting your kid? Our, our youngest Hayden, who's seven. Uh, I mean, she just sometimes is just dancing in front of the mirror and talking, you know, uh, just whatever, you know. And so I, I do like this movie because it kind of reminds is it was a good reminder of to live in those moments as much as we're kidding around the kind of like, who's who's got time to do all this kind of stuff i mean i i I did those type of things like for whitney like early on when we were dating and this movie was kind of like man i really just don't do those things anymore you know and it's like it's so meaningful for both both sides you know of a relationship when you do you know do make that effort but uh this was this movie was kind of a good reminder it's like you know you, you know it's cliche to like you know keep that spark alive you know but it was kind of like yeah i probably should go i probably should take my wife out on a date <laughs> sometime that's funny we had an opportunity to go on a date last night and we um decided we would do chores all day and then go on a date in the evening and it was going to be the perfect day without a child 
And then after doing chores all day long, we were pretty tired and we were like, you want to just go to Blue, our own restaurant, <laughs> with people that we see every day and eat the same food we eat all the time? All right, sounds good. In bed by 10. But um, yeah. No, I actually, when John and I began dating, um, it was, it felt very romantic. And I did draw a lot of corollaries. And I, I wondered tonight when I was rewatching it, did John, because John, he would like deliver me a message in a bottle at work. And, and I'd pull out the, the, piece of paper inside which he had like burned around the edges to make it look really rustic and um and it was like a, a map a choose your own adventure map on like where we're going out on a date tonight and it was like it was just all very very whimsical and romantic and and that's that was like our, our first year together stuff like that um regularly and i i did find myself wondering did he draw inspiration from his favorite film perhaps um and if that's the case, I'm I'm really lucky gal that this is the film he latched onto. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's the saying is like plagiarism is like the sincerest form of flattery, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, he wasn't posting pictures of me all over a train station, but <laughs> uh, do, do you like the the I, I think the the performances in this movie, I almost think the supporting roles outweigh like outshine those of the main ones almost but did you like uh audrey tattoo in this performance i think um, it was I, I remember her getting some american roles like after this film uh, i never saw it but the i think she was in the da vinci code uh, with tom hanks but yeah. um yeah did you like her in this movie um i i've got to say as a as a um heterosexual female i just can't look away from her her face is stunning to me and she's got those like gigantic brown eyes and perfect face. Uh, I found her to be stunning. Um, her voice, everything about her was just, just dripping in charm. So, um, I thought she killed it. I, I would, I just couldn't turn. I couldn't, if she was on the screen, I could not look away from her. Um, I just have a, a little girl crush on her. Um, so I, I thought that she did really well. One of my favorite performers though, in the whole thing, and this is probably going to be controversial because what the hell is this guy? Um, but I think his name was Joseph. Maybe he's the, he's the creepy, um, misogynistic narcissist that sits in the cafe yeah. and records, but my God, you can't look away from his face either. And it's not because he's an attractive man. You're just like. <laughs> This guy is so odd, but he just really nails this role, which was odd and it's really small. Um, and then uh, the character, the grocer's assistant, uh, Lucien, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is when he's trying to say, Colignon, Don the John, um, and he just <laughs> really can't. But he also has these like big, giant brown eyes that just sort of sparkle and um a really compelling face and and um so i thought i thought the performances were pretty good do i think nino the love interest was knocking it out of the park maybe not um so i don't know but it's it's a different style it's like you can't it's like comparing apples to oranges with what we you know ingest every day with uh, you know um american films so perform performance wise, I thought um, the leading lady was. A sh I can't imagine anybody else in that role. 
this is going to sh sound shallow and vain. Um, I, I found, I think she's stunning. I think she's beautiful. Um, if that character was not so compelling to look at, would we find some of her like neurotic tendencies to be less charming? Right. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, this chick is weird, but because she's so cute, you're like, she's precious and adorable. And so, yeah, maybe that's unfair to say, but yeah, but she, she has, but she does have that tendency where she's not going to mind uh, electrocuting someone if she has to. <laughs> yeah, her smile, her smile kind of remind me of almost that uh, the Mona Lisa, uh, the, the, the smile that you're like, wait, yes, that's a cute smile, but there's like something behind that grin as well. Yeah, know? there's something mischievous or something. She knows something we don't know. She has a secret, and yes. I think, but I think she nails it. I, I can't do that smirk and <laughs> maybe I could do that smirk and my husband would know what I, what I mean with that smirk, but to be able to produce that smirk in an entire audience, like a global audience is like, ah, ah, ah she's being cute. Something's going on there. Anyways. So she has all my praises. Um, as for the rest of the cast, um, I'd like to hear what you have to say, actually. Oh yeah, no, uh, yeah. Kind of as I mentioned, I almost the supporting cast kind of stole the movie for me almost in a little way. Like I almost was more caught up in the whole dynamics of uh, Joseph, who you mentioned, and Georgette, like in the cafe. Oh, it's almost it's almost like I wanted to spend my time yeah. in the cafe uh, <laughs> more so than the, the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like you, we 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 might talk in a little bit later about the romantic chemistry. Nino, I'm kind of like. I, I don't really see what the big deal is about this guy. But once again, it is kind of a, you know, uh, I think especially with a foreign film, you know, kind of maybe what, uh, and especially the times too, you know, styles change and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. But yeah, um, I, I, I feel like in the States of his, his jobs, maybe this is the, the older, uh, man coming out of me again uh the old guy of like okay so this guy he works at a sex shop and he the, his other part-time jobs at a carnival he's like, basically a carny yeah, yeah. Where, where's this dude going in life you know <laughs> so anyway that that part of me uh i kind of thought was funny like he, he didn't really he's not what captured me in the movie i think like everybody else did but um mm -hmm. i yeah um I liked her relationship a lot, uh, you know, with her neighbors and especially uh, who, who you mentioned as well. I thought he stood out, um, Lucien, or how, how did you say it, Lucien? <laughs> but I'm gonna, uh, say, we're gonna say the American pronunciation, Lucien, um, because I can't. Yes, there, her like sort of defense of this guy who's who's maybe on the spectrum and clearly disabled, um, and his his boss is kind of a He's not maybe he's not a super villain or anything, but he's uncharitable. He's he's kind of cruel to this this honest guy who maybe is is just different. Um, but they they both play their roles really well. If if we're if we're just dissecting the the performance, um, yeah. I just I thought I thought it was just really well cast because the 
the faces to me seem so memorable. And so I kept on looking up on IMDb, like where's the other stuff they've been in. And I actually hadn't really seen them in other things, but they just have very memorable faces and they fit the characters really well. And so uh, I, I really liked that about it. Um, I, I know like it being a French film, I, I'm sure, you know, I'll always talk about like kind of the best quotes from these type of movies. I feel like even maybe some of the quotes I might like are probably translated <laughs> differently. That's but, a thing. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you have anything that stood out as far oh, as I, I had so many quotes that I was like, ah, oh, write it down because there's so much comedy in that, in this film. Um, but it's, it's all sort of like, I don't shrouded isn't the right word, but it's just, there's enough sort of darkness. It really does feel like you're in the mind of, of somebody because it can't all be like sunshine and rainbows and perfect. There's, there's um, like dysfunctional relationships. There's like, we, we keep saying the, the overlying theme of loneliness, um, but there's, um, there's some gross stuff and there's some um, honoriness and meddlesome stuff. But so one of the lines that I just, I couldn't um, get away from being a, a restaurant person. Um, <laughs> I cackled when I heard this the first time. <laughs> Suzanne, the owner, limps a little but never spills a drink. I thought that was hysterical because in my old age, <laughs> I can't run around that dining room floor or, anymore without getting like sore feet from my shoes. And so she limps a little, but she never spills a drink. But that's that is not my favorite quote. Um, this one I thought was really. Um, really stood out to me. Failure teaches us that life is but a draft, a long rehearsal for a show that will never play. Mm. It was like, oh, that's like, that's really insightful. And that was the failed writer, um, mm -hmm. the, which is something that I'm going to skip around for a second. None of these individuals are like impressive people. They're not highly successful. If you look at it from the lens of you're in someone's imagination or you're in the, the mind of Amelie, who's an, an extreme introvert and she's just she's watching these people and they don't know that that she's watching them she's seeing maybe this the side that they don't want seen all the time or so the way that the characters are all developed every single character has their own little bio their own little story which is is crazy which i actually learned that that was one of Janae's um things he would he would see see or think of a thing and just jot it down in a notebook like um the sensory thing like loving to feel your hands on beans mm -hmm. or lentils or so he'd write all these like funny little things and they would become the identity of the characters in his movies so um you introduce a character and you don't say um they are this old they are married to this this person they mm -hmm. live on the street and this is their job that's not how she defines them their bios are they hate this. They love this. Mm -hmm. Like cracking of the creme brulee with a teaspoon. I know that's an Amelie thing, but they all have little funny things, things they love and hate. And they're just like weird, you know, neurotic tendencies. But because that's how she has observed them, that becomes their identity and their sort of biography, I think is like a fun thing. And the, the failed, that's a character, a failed author. Mm -hmm. Then you have the hypochondriac in Georgette. You have the cafe owner with a limp. Like these, all these people are just riddled with imperfections. 
but they make up this like really happy little quirky community. I, I think it's it's just a fun it's a fun theme that I don't think you would dig down dig deep into if you weren't doing this podcast probably yeah. <laughs> like, really no. this stuff. No, I, I mean, you're just, you're exactly saying what I'm thinking is that's why I've really enjoyed this podcast because it's learning about those things that, you know, that the things we like, the things we dislike, I mean, that's really what makes us up as people. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's probably the first thing I asked you when I I met you in real life is, so what do you do? You know, that's like, that's our go-to. And that's, even though that is a big part of our identity, you know, um, uh, well, some people still try to make that as their identity, but you know, it's like at my funeral, I, I don't want people to talk about the job that I was working at. I, you know, I want them to talk about the things that I love to do or that I love to discuss. And that's what I love. I do love this movie for that, like sentiment of, especially the intro of this movie. I think I could watch the first like 15 minutes of this movie <laughs> just cause I love those, those little things Those you know, this person likes this and just likes this. And uh, yeah, v- very much. So I just, uh, that heart of, you know, that's what, you know, you get to, I think that's the joy of having children is again, you get to see those little things Mm -hmm. just on display without them ever having to actually verbalize it, (laughs) you know, and as you grow older, right, you start, you start holding those things close into yourself. You don't want to, and you don't reveal those things until you actually like, you know, get to know that person or whatever. And so, yeah, that's one thing I like about this movie is like, it's celebrating the person for who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, these kind of introverted, quirky characters, I don't think it's the movie is ever like making uh, fun of them. They're celebrating them for, you know, who, who they are, you know? So even, even that kind of mean oafish grocer, you know, he kind of gets his, I guess if there is a villain of this story, he's the most villainous, but he's really not, really you know he's probably misunderstood um we learned that his mom maybe overparented him and (laughs) like Mm -hmm. the the book the elephant you know mom with an elephant's memory whatever that whatever that means he called her elephant mom but maybe he was just a little too pampered for a while and and doesn't know anyway yes i i agree there's not really a villain but he gets his, and if it's if his punishment is that he his light switches or his light bulbs are changed with buzzing light bulbs, and his slippers are a size too small, and he accidentally brushes teeth with foot paste, okay, justice was served. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um. I I think this quote was also from this uh, failed author, but I like I love this line. We pass the time of day to forget how time passes. <laughs> I I, lo- I love that line too. So yeah, there's a lot of like meaty Ooh. nuggets and this one was kind of crude but the insult that that grocer uh hurls out of someone peed in his mother i had okay. never heard of that before <laughs> and i was like oh man <laughs> so you talked about this um a, a couple minutes back but how things translated we have a really good friend who is a um who's from nice france and my husband was telling me yeah i around the time this movie came out, I talked to his name, Sylvan, talked to Sylvan in depth about the film and, and he really enjoyed it. Just thought it was so fun. However, most things translated, like they translate accurately, but you lose a lot of the charm. Like for instance, when Lucien is um, talking about Colignon in the John, it, it everything actually rhymes. So it's much more, mm-hmm. and it, it still kind of rhymes in English, but 
um, you lose a lot of that, um, the charm and the translation. So I do wonder if some of these quotes would have, or lines would have been more significant had they not maybe lost some of the elegance in the translation. Right. But your quote was awesome. I actually don't even remember that one. That's the thing. You're reading the subtitles, but you can't look away from the imagery and how stunning everything is. One of my favorite scenes is when she's on, or favorite shots, I should say, is when she's on the rooftop. Um, and it's this wide angle lens and you can see the whole, all the rooftops like for miles around of Paris, but she's guessing how many people are actively having an orgasm in that moment, which <laughs> what a weird thing to think about, or maybe it's not, it's not a thing I've ever thought about, but, um, but you're like, this is stunning. It's stunning. This angle is gorgeous and it's like sepia toned. It just, it feels so romantic. And then she like turns around and gives you that, that quirky little smirk. And she's, she's, predicted 15 organisms are happening in this moment right now. <laughs> it's just it sort of, it's always balancing it. You're like, Oh man, this is stunning. And you're like, Oh, reality check. We're doing, we're going to this, this funny, <laughs> silly, quirky, crass place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you're just, like, what are some of your uh, favorite scenes in here? We, we probably hit on, I, I think one of the most memorable is, you know, the, the prank she essentially pulls, you know, in the grocer. You know, I think that seems real memorable. Was um, Is there another one that kind of stood out to you? Oh, yeah. Um, the, um, so she had, she had just reunited the, um, the owner of the box, the little time capsule. Yeah. And she's on this like adrenaline high and she sees the blind man and takes him by the hand and says, let me help you off that curb. And then just like on that, that energy higher, that adrenaline high, she just takes him and narrates everything that's happening on the city street. And, and it's, it's all the, it's the everyday simple mundane things that happen on a city. It's um, the prices of cheese. We're passing this. Um, the baby is looking at the dog, but the dog is looking at the rotisserie chickens and she's just narrating everything she sees. And it's super fast and it happens. Um, it's like sensory overload. Um, and then she just leaves him at the train station and says, you know, bonjour and is on her way. But that sort of like, um, that was, that was probably my favorite scene without a doubt. And he's just like, what did I just experience? I have been, probably living and experiencing the city in blindness for however long. And I just, I just got a little, a little taste of what I've, you know, I guess been missing. Anyway, that mm. was, that was without a doubt my favorite scene. It was so fun. And then at the end you see his heart, like just, boom, 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 mm -hmm. boom. It's just mm -hmm. like this afterglow of that was magic. Some, some stranger just came along and, um, can you imagine how impactful that would be if you were a blind person? Um, yeah. I don't know. That that really moved me. Um there's another scene that I thought, oh, this one I have to I have to nod to or else my husband will be disappointed. But the rock skipping scene. Uh -huh. that, and it's mostly because of the the camera work that they do, but they come from behind her on that bridge and then over and somehow you don't see a shadow of a crane on the water and then the rock is skipping right into the frame of the camera just sort of like mm -hmm. that that's it's just stunning it's it's beautiful the the colors are awesome and it's i mean 
can't argue with it. And it apparently they say they being people like my husband who pay attention to this sort of thing, that that was um, pretty monumental in the filmmaking world, mm. like that angle. Mm-hmm. I do not know, but yeah, the, the blind man that just like, Oh, that just, it warmed my heart. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a, yeah. That's an incredible scene. I, I, I also like, um, I mean, I, I don't know if it's fair to say like a full scene, but I, I think the, uh, the moment when uh, Nino's uh, photograph starts talking to him with the, it's the same guy in the four frames. Yes. I, that was pretty, pretty revolutionary uh, at the, for the time, I think. Um, and then I also just the, um, the initial photo booth scavenger hunt, um, mm-hmm. just that, just how it all plays out. It, it's just a really so clever. It, it's clever, but just it's really it's just really fun. You get in the moment mm-hmm. of kind of even though it had been a long time that I since I'd seen this, I I couldn't quite remember where it was going, and so you get really wrapped up, uh, like you know Nino trying to kind of figure out everything. And then s- speaking of that, the just the mystery man reveal, <laughs> I had you you probably remembered because you've seen the movie so many times, but I had forgotten like who the mystery man in the picture and why he's not smiling, and. When it, that revelation happens, I loved it. Even uh, watching it, I was just like, "Oh yeah, of course it would be the yeah. <laughs> would be the repair guy," you know. So yeah, I like that moment a lot. It makes absolute absolute sense. But that's so much of the this movie is taking the most everyday, mundane, simple things and making them feel special or memorable. Or um, I mean, it, I was feel this way about Seinfeld like his humor is just you take the most simple things um buying milk at the grocery store mm-hmm. or, how do they know when milk expires so the cows tip them off you know um it it feels like that like they're taking everyday normal basic um simple tasks or chores or just happenings in a city and they're they're magic like it's like you plant a little seed in this imagination uh, world blooms out of it like like the the invented um story of the the photo booth technician mm-hmm. i mean i i think it's it's so so fun and um i the i guess all the credit goes to the writers for for running away with that stuff like how fun would it be in in to be in a writing room like mm-hmm. like you know taking these these turns and in, in spirals into imagination land i think it, it also it kind of made me think of um it's always interesting like the houses we've lived in have we've bought from a fr- previous owner and when you live in a house and especially we've been in a couple who've had kids uh you know they were younger uh when they lived in the house so they've moved you know they've moved away and so now we have little kids but you see little every once in a while little momentum things here and there like even like a a toy car like buried in Mm -hmm. like the sand and like when she helps that that uh that man rediscover his little things you know so it's easy to get lost in your mind and kind of making stories Mm -hmm. of like oh that was you know (laughs) that was a boy's you know who knows maybe he lost that car and he always wondered where it went and you Mm -hmm. know it's easy to kind of go off into those worlds when you see little you know little trinkets so to speak you know in places yeah i back to the um the tin box with the guy's treasures you you can make assumptions like oh yeah he played he played with that car or oh that picture of the the guy with the football or the soccer 
football. He probably was just an athlete that that guy thought was really talented and skilled and was his hero. But then you actually see, you go down memory lane with this guy and in that portrait of um, that, that football player, whoever it was, was actually just the, the, the shield uh, in front of the peeping people where he would spy on his aunt, aunt and her sexy slips. <laughs> so it's just funny. It's like a normal everyday thing that you could draw a really basic conclusion from. It, it's not, it's not, nothing's what you think. Um, I, I thought that was so fun. I was like, and the marbles, like, oh, he enjoyed playing marbles. So like put a marble in there. No, it, it took him back to this tragic day where he won a hundred marbles and, Mm-hmm. forfeit them all like it, yeah. it's just so when there's so much whimsy and and fun and um it, it so much of it's unpredictable i can't stop myself from predicting the plot of every movie as i'm watching it but this one's utterly impossible to predict nothing you know mm-hmm. nothing's predictable it's all it's all um just completely unique and original movie musings we we were talking about these uh, likes and dislikes that really make up uh, a person. I was wondering what what's what's a quirky little thing that you just really like or something you just really can't stand. You you were talking, you know, being text you know textile or whatever. Is there something you can think of? Um, in in my personal life or in yeah, no, no, personal life. Oh, um, I am. I can't handle clutter and disarray and lack of organization. Um, it, I, I'm not an OCD person, but that's the first thing that's going to get my like blood pressure up and I can't handle it. So um, even the littlest things, like if I had a label maker, um, I'd be printing things off and like, this is this it's home. This is its designated place. And I would love it if this, this is where it stayed. In fact, we didn't have a child, our, our kid was with his grandparents this weekend and um, that's what I did. I spent my whole day organizing. I was like, there, there's not a little four year old tornado that's about to blow this all to bit so I can, I can organize. So um, I think, and I'm, I, the, the nails on chalkboard and all the, mm. like that sort of thing. Um, I am I'm breaking bones or anything that sounds like breaking bones. I got to go. I don't want to hear about it. I don't need to see it. Sports injuries, please leave me. And I, I played sports. I broke my ankle pretty no, in a bad way, but I can't, I just can't. Like her per, submerging her hand in a giant uh, barrel of beans, that I would be very into that. Like that sounds, that sounds nice. But um, <laughs> there's, so I was talking about the sensory thing. She has the raspberries on her fingers when she's a little girl and you can hear the sound of her. Mm, yeah. Pulling them off. That sound really like actually kind of bothered me. I was like, ooh, I don't <laughs> zeroed in on that. I don't think I liked that sound. Yeah. Well, you you'd really connect with my oldest because in two two different occasions, it was either for her birthday or for Christmas. She asked for a label maker uh one year, and then she asked for a laminator. <laughs> so hey, uh, yeah. okay. yep. <laughs> I'm right there with her. Let's get some stationary supplies and knock ourselves out. Grandful <laughs> <Ramble> time. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I, I alluded to it the uh, where she kind of tortures this uh, grocery store owner. But uh, what's the best prank that you've ever pulled on someone, or maybe you're not the prankster. Someone has pulled on you. Oh man, I'm not. I am not great at pranks. My best thing I got is. Um, 
hiding behind an unsuspecting victim. And I do this at the restaurant all the time. If I see a regular, like walking up to the foyer, I usually hide and try to pop out and scare them. Um, and in fact, I did that today to one of our former partners who is in his mid seventies. What was I thinking? <laughs> what was I thinking? I scared this man and I could have put him in cardiac arrest. Um, um, okay. So this, this maybe isn't a prank, but I, I thought it was pretty clever. Um, in the early courtship days, my husband and I, um, you know, he was owning and operating four restaurants and I, we just moved in together and I had no idea where the heck I was going to find it, but I knew for sure he had to have a spare key. So I spent oh way too long hunting all over his house. We just, like I just said, we just moved in together. So I, there were still sort of like things are off limits. Maybe I shouldn't be snooped through his bedside table. That's mm -hmm. weird. But I sort of like put my blinders on and I was just looking for keys. I found his spare key and I sort of followed him around all day long. And anytime he'd park his car, I would like run up, unlock the door and sneak a little like a love letter or a um, something, something silly or a picture that I had just taken of him. <laughs> he didn't know I had taken because I was spying on him and I'd go to Walgreens and print it off real fast and then put it in his car. So um, I hope he still has all that stuff. And maybe that wasn't a prank, but he never knew where I was going to be next. And I was just, I was just stalking him all day long <laughs> and leaving it, it, in his car. That is very Amelie like. So that's probably yeah, what yeah. knowing how much he likes his movie. I think that I think that was what really that's when he knew. <laughs> it's so funny because I completely forgot that I did that um until you asked that question and I had to dig deep. I'm like, is that even a prank? I was trying to be playful and flirty, but um it, it might have spooked him at some point. Hey, how did she get how the hell did she get in my car? Um and how does she know where I'm at? You know, at like I think there was like ten different times I got unlocked his doors, got in his car and left him a little, uh, <laughs> a little token of my affection. <laughs> um, I, I can't remember if someone says this exactly in this movie, but I had written this down in my notes and bolded it, but everyone wants to be loved and wanted. I, I really like that sentiment because I, I do think that's true. And a big part of this movie was, and you talked about that scene um, with the blind man, but uh, how you know she decides to kind of give back to mankind. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering what, what's a way that you, you like to give back, so to speak. Hmm. Um, sort of my, my latest thing is empowerment. Um, I love, love to coach and and teach and impart if i if i have the knowledge or the resources i want to share it because i want um i especially look at it with my um my staff my younger staff i've got a lot of um young women who are in their early 20s or like and it's a it's a really tough age it's a really tough time i mean it's not easy at any point before that either but when you've got all this independence um i mean it's it's as silly as i shouldn't say silly i don't want to discount anybody's um struggles but like how do i change my oil hey i need to find a gynecologist i don't know how to do that um things that aren't even related to the job that we do but empowering them encouraging them to vote and register and what what to do so um and, and maybe that's not um, going to really impact the world in some major way, but um, 
I, I would love it. I would love it if someday they looked back at their time in our restaurants fondly and thought, Hey, they were really good stewards of young people. Not, not they gave me a job and I got a paycheck every two mm -hmm. weeks. Um, they taught me things about myself and life and that, and they made me feel empowered and stronger and encouraged. Um, so th that's really been a thing I've been super hyper focused on lately. So yeah. What would you give uh, the chemistry between Amelie and Nino? Um, this is hard um, because I feel like they had to do a lot of heavy lifting there towards the end because, I mean, in a two-hour movie or whatever the length is, um, it's all just Amelie and her community and how she's sort of meddling in helpful ways. And then the romance really doesn't happen until the, sort of the very end. Um, so it feels sometimes it feels a little rushed, or it feels rushed. It feels hurried. But then there's that kissing scene where they finally are face to face. There's no more cat and mouse game. He is at your th the threshold of your apartment, um, and they she's just sort of like pointing where to kiss. And I was like, this is a the sweetest scene ever. It's not carnal. It's just sweet and innocent because they both sort of have this like childlike mm -hmm. um, thing. So, but I I felt like that was that built a lot of chemistry that they had to do sort of in a, in a quick way. Um, and they're both, they're both these like weird little introverts and they have their own quirks and they, um, so I see the match. I see that it makes sense. And although we don't really get to know Nino very well, um, I think without that scene, I would be like, how is this a rom-com? Um, mm -hmm. So I, I think that I will give it, I will give it four four stars. Okay. Four, pardon me. Four hearts. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You're being a little nicer than me uh, because <laughs> I I I gave it two and a half because, I, like you said, you know, this movie it's almost it definitely is a rom com, but it also seems so much more in the same thing. Uh, you know, the Nino thing, like like you, I, I see the seeds of why they're connecting mm -hmm. but as far as the movie goes to like i just need a, a little bit more dialogue between the two you know a little bit more to kind of something to hang my hat on you know now like you I, I do think the final scene is really good it's a really good moment you know uh where where they meet and stuff um but yeah i need a little bit more than a you know uh sped up motorcycle uh <laughs> drive around uh you know paris to make me you know really think you know this is going somewhere but you know um i'm sure there's been stranger people who have met before and have lived great lives so <laughs> yeah i will say though that moped scene that is every girl's fantasy being on the back of a moped with a little french boy uh just cruising the streets of paris i i mean i think there are a couple olsen twin movies <laughs> if you want to review those i'm not your girl but <laughs> I, I, I think if i start an olsen twins podcast uh, some authorities might be knocking on my door <laughs> oh my gosh okay well we'll rule that out unless you unless you're you're just the um producer for your daughters <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, uh, the second category i have is like the best friends component so usually there's uh you know 
supporting characters or a best friend. This this one's a little different because it's like we've talked about Amelie kind of has her community. Um, I usually put the guests, uh, you know, on this on the spot about these ones, but I give this one five hearts just because I, I mentioned it before. I just I love the supporting character so much. What, what would you give it? Um, I really love the sort of paternal relationship she has with um, Dufael, the glass man. Um, I mean, that's just what she's needed. She's needed a father figure. Her dad is so mm -hmm. absent and he has his own like OCD neurotic um, stuff. Her parents just felt so, they literally were hands off. She, the only time he touched her was during her annual checkup. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I thought that that was, that was really awesome. And then her, um, I can't even remember the character's name, but her coworker that sort of vetted uh, Nino because she cares. She's like, and you don't see any of that happening in throughout the movie, but then um, it's like you said, the community, all these people actually do really care about Amelie. Um, so um I think the the like sort of little village that she has built up around her, even though she sort of identifies as an introvert and a lonely person, um, she really, really relies and needs those, those people and those relationships, even if they're from afar through like, you know, her looking glass. Um, so I think I will also give five hearts on that. Um, the, the friendships. Mm -hmm. That makes me want to move, move to Amelie's neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> it, really, it really is just so so charming i mean i don't want anyone having a key to my apartment but <laughs> right you would have to count on a couple of people spying on you you just gotta you would just have to be like you know that's just his thing <laughs> yep this was watching me but it's a it's a, a good kind of of peeping tom he's making <laughs> sure i'm safe <laughs> <laughs> um i'm interested in what you think about this one as far as uh the soundtrack to this movie and I'm not going to even uh, pretend to pronounce uh, the composer uh, of this soundtrack, but uh, what do you give the soundtrack? Um, I mean, it, it felt so Parisian. Actually, what I kept thinking when I was sort of contemplating the soundtrack was it sort of made me travel in time. And I felt like what I sort of imagined was, you know, Hemingway when he was living there and drinking way too much um i don't know uh whiskey or whatever in in writing and getting um inspiration but it sort of like made me time travel to that era it just felt older and um it's like i said the the imagery it just makes you feel like you're in the uh, where what you fantasize about paris or france so it in the accordion sort of music mm -hmm. like outside of a cafe it just it makes it checks the box this is what my my fantasy or my brain told me it would be like here and the mm -hmm. music totally supports all of that and um, yeah i don't know why i brought hemingway into it but that's what i remember thinking <laughs> i was like is this what it was like when he was just there writing and being drunk all the time <laughs> <laughs> so, so on the scale from one to five what would you give it um, am I going to listen to it in my car as I'm bebopping around? No, but I found it super appropriate, especially sometimes the melancholy piano. It sometimes there's this juxtaposition. You're 
you're seeing this thing that's on screen that's happy, but the piano is slow and sort of has this melancholy thing. So you're like, it, it kind of cues your brain. You're like, okay, what I'm seeing is is more complicated than that. So um, I, I'll give it I'll give it four stars. Four, not five, because while it was perfect and appropriate, I'm I don't I'm not gonna go searching for it. I'm not gonna like listen to the soundtrack of Amelie when I'm doing my workouts, you know. Right, right. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I gave it four hearts as well. It's I, I was surprised that when I was watching the movie how familiar it was to me. So um, I'm sure it's been used in other things since this movie because this movie was so popular. I was surprised at how recognizable it might have seemed and even by the end of the movie um because it plays on the kind of same cues yeah. like it it it's very easy to just uh remember the melody of it all and stuff and listening to it uh through spotify i was a little surprised at how dynamic it, the score actually is up and down you kind of remember the especially at the end the moped you know ride uh whatever like you remember those parts of the soundtrack but it, it's real beautiful but like you you know uh, hey it's time to clean the house i'm not popping on uh, yeah. the soundtrack but as far as fitting the tone of the movie and everything it's it's a really beautiful score so yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Uh, fourth category I have is the chase scene or the big declaration of love. Um, I, I get once again. I'm sorry, I'm kind of jumping the gun on this, uh, cutting you off. But uh, I gave this five parts because this whole movie to me was a chase scene. Essentially. Yeah, <laughs> it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's so fun. It's it keeps you guessing. It's, um, I mean, who doesn't want to be ch chased like that? Um, it's so it's super engaging and she's chasing after him on a Parisian street in this beautiful, like sort of train station plaza with these stone stair steps. Um, but more than that, it's just, it's creative and it's, she has to orchestrate so much and premeditate so much. Um, oh, I think I'm with you five hearts, 10 hearts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I say who doesn't want to be chased like that? Um, there's some creepy stalker stuff in this film. So I'm sure, I'm sure there's some pe people who don't want to be chased like that, but um, there's a line in the movie from the, the landlord or the woman that lives in, I think she's the landlord. I don't know. She's the, the husband that died in the plane crash. Oh yeah. 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 Hopelessly um, heartbroken over. Um, but she says, has anyone ever written you like this? Or in the, her response is no, I am nobody's little weasel. Because I guess that, that was a pet name or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. So of the, you said favorite quote, which it's not my favorite, but I remember being like, that's so funny. No, <laughs> I am nobody's little weasel. <laughs> well, knowing the history that you have with this film, uh, I, I may not be surprised uh, what you give this ranking, but the rewatchability of this film, uh, what do you give it? Oh, um, I feel like I'm being gratuitous here, but. I will give it five stars as well because um, it being a foreign film, you the first time you're just reading subtitles. Mm -hmm. um, if you really want to like dig down and appreciate the film and uh, all the like beautiful imagery, you have to watch it without being glued to the subtitles. Um, and like I said at the when we kick this thing off, I just find um, Audrey to tow tow. <laughs> I'm going to get in so much trouble for butchering that, but 
she's just she is so watchable by herself um and then and then when i've watched it when we've just sort of had it on in the background i'm i'm playing the game like oh spot the spot of color like oh we're in this like green green blue sepia sort of washed thing um just looking for the color or all the um all the fun little cookies that they put in there so mm-hmm. I, I, it's a five harder for me um whether or not i have any sort of emotional ties to the film um you have to watch it you have to watch it more than once to just take it all in there's there's so much to see yeah yeah i i, I gave i gave it four because i i was actually a little surprised that i wasn't quite as taken back about it but through our discussion here it's made me realize that you know that this movie's a, even a lot deeper than I initially <laughs> uh, recognized. It's a little hard for me. I, I liked, I, I'm not like a connoisseur of international film, you know, but I say like uh, two or three at probably a year or so. And so I'm accustomed to reading subtitles and that sort of thing. <laughs> but um, I forgot how easy this movie is uh, to still take in with because it's pretty it's pretty fast paced there's a lot going on uh visually and just you know information wise and stuff like that um but um yeah it, i i did even though and it's really it's kind of funny saying the rom- rom-com part of it the, the romance even though it is this chase th- that's really not what sells me on the movie so much and so just watching it from the rom-com perspective i'm not maybe not as high on but as far as watching it as a movie and all the things that she talked about like the production design editing all that kind of stuff that to me makes it more of a (laughs) rewatchable type of film um but i think it's also hard to keep in mind of I, i think this movie really influenced a lot of films that came after it and uh, I think for a film uh, to come out in 2001 and it making such an impact that it did, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it's especially with streaming now, it's so much easier to consume international films. And the fact that this film ma- found an American audience and yeah. watching it, watching it now, it, it makes complete sense. It's like um, uh, it's almost like, oh, this is the Paris I always imagined almost, mm-hmm. you know, but um yeah so yeah i think it sounds like this is definitely a, a movie you think uh, people should check out and the the gnome in this movie uh it had to i mean travelocity had to steal from this movie right like in their whole campaign <laughs> slogan uh you know of having the gnome in different places did you I hadn't even con- thought of that no i hadn't made that connection but that's so funny you said that because i remember seeing the photos that that she was like taunting her dad with or like, I guess, baiting him into traveling himself. Um, I do remember being like, these look familiar. They look stuck. And maybe that's why. But that was so cute and so clever. Like, just another one of her schemes that, although I we should say, not all of her schemes worked out because Georgette and Joseph. Mm-hmm. Was a yeah. Sister, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. I, and I liked it about that almost that it was just like, you know, nope, Joseph is just a very, very strange man. <laughs> yep. Kick him out. You're, you're no longer welcome him here, sir. Yeah. Um, but no, that's, they had to have, but they, it probably wouldn't have made a lot of Americans wouldn't have made that connection because I don't think, I mean, like I said, I hadn't heard of the film until um 2016 when i started dating john so 
Um, I bet it was a total knockoff, and I bet nobody picked up on it. Recommendations. I try to watch a lot of TV and movies and that sort of thing. Is there anything you'd like to recommend? Something you you've been listening or to watching, reading? Um. Yeah. Well, this is a commitment, so I have not successfully gotten anybody on board with this. Um. But I recently completed reading the Wheel of Time series. Okay. And I'm. I'm like, I feel like I'm grieving. I finished it and I'm like, I'm mourning that presence in my life because it was so good. Um, did you read Harry Potter? No, I, I just kind of missed that. Yeah. Um, that's okay. We can still be friends. We'll I, I, I did the first two. Yeah. I don't know if that counts. Um, anyways, it, this feels like grown up Harry Potter in a way. And, and, and I don't mean like it's the same, it, it's the same genre. It's not, um, it's just the way that they develop characters, the way they world build. Um, I think it's just so involved and golly, who has, who has this brain, this capacity to invent and imagine this whole, this whole space, this whole realm. And um, Robert Jordan is the author and he, he, kicks ass he's so good but he actually passed away early he i think he died at like 54 or something from mm. something terminal so he didn't actually get to complete the writing i think the last three books were written by a fan uh, he was an author as well but um you know while he was he was on his deathbed basically they bring in i can't even remember the guy's name but they bring in this other author and they say we've we've read your stuff we've took taken a deep dive we want you to complete the the series and it's, it's 14 books. And then they added a prequel. So really 15 in the whole stretch, but um, one of my favorite, it also, the transition was seamless. The new author came in, he knew where Robert Jordan wanted to take it. Um, like this is how this whole thing ends and it's seamless. You cannot tell it's a, a different writer. He totally um, jumped on board with the style. Um, but my favorite thing about it is, it's it's in this sort of pastoral um, time or era, but females are just as powerful as the male characters. So you go to a, a town or um, a village, and there may be a king, there may be a queen, and it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. The females wield every bit of authority and power in every situation. They have a seat at the table in every situation. And that's, you just don't see that. You just really don't. And so I, I love that they sort of empower females. And then as far as what I'm watching, I have, was just so jazzed to see that Ted Lasso season three. Is it season three? Yeah, or, season three. It started, um, I, we're, we're soccer people in this household, so that makes it fun. But um, it's just with all the sort of drama happening all the time, it's fun to have like an escapist thing, uh, whether it's a podcast or music or a show, but this is kind of it for us. It's not without its complicated themes, you know, um, but overall it inspires resilience and it's lighthearted and happy. And he's so funny. Um, yeah. And like I told you earlier, I like to like sort of, I've made it sort of my role to empower our staff or um, I'm coaching T-ball right now. So and, and Ted Lasso sort of has that like 
hey, at the end of the day, I, I might lose, but I, I will always win if I have taught, taught you something or empowered you in some way. Um, so that was the cheesiest thing I'll probably ever say in my life, but <laughs> I, that's why I, I really, really love watching Ted Lasso. I'm like, I want, I want to be a coach. I want to be a coach like that. I want to be someone who it's, it's not about winning all the time. It's about personal growth and, um, and understanding and getting along with other people. Um, anyways, so, but if you're giving out recommendations, I'd love to hear them. Well, um, I won't go back to Ted Lasso. We haven't been able to start season three yet uh, just because we haven't found a window to like dedicate our time, but we're, we're big fans of Ted Lasso. Uh, this, this podcast is essentially uh, owed to Ted Lasso because uh, movies are life, but mm-hmm. football, you know, football is life. So big fan of Ted Lasso. I've recommended it before. So I'm kind of cheating, cheating a little bit, but um, because we just finished it, I'm going to recommend again, shrinking on, on Apple. Um, it's by the creators of Ted Lasso. Yes, I want to see it so bad. I want. I'm dying to watch oh, this. So we finished it. The uh, ten episodes. They're all about half hour each. So um, you can watch them really fast. Love the show. It just. I, we liked it at the beginning, but just if you if you like Ted Lasso, you'll love it. But it's just got the perfect mix of drama and comedy. Harrison Ford is terrific in it. I hope he gets nominated for his role in it. But um, there's a moment in uh, episode nine. I mean, I had tears <laughs> coming down my face. It's such a touching moment uh, in it. Um, but yeah, uh, check check it out. You'll, you'll really like it. Now that all the episodes are up and it's been renewed, so you know it's coming back. Yeah, uh, you can you could really uh, uh, watch a lot of episodes. And knock it out. Yeah. Um, Next week, we're going to cover number 44 on the list, 10 Things I Hate About You, starring Heath Ledger, Julia Stiles, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who has actually already popped up on this list. Um, So, Do you have any strong feelings about that movie? Um, The soundtrack is like... I I was singing the praises of the soundtrack to uh, End of the Wild with Eddie Vedder, but that soundtrack, 10 Things I Hate About You, might take the cake. Um, I still listen to that soundtrack. Um, and Heath Ledger no longer being with us is like, there are a handful of celebrity deaths that just really hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kobe Bryant is maybe too soon, too raw still. Yeah. That was a hard one. Prince, uh, Robin Williams and Heath Ledger. So anything that he's, that he was ever in, I think is, um, it's just always going to be near and dear, but um, no, I'm I'm actually not really a rom com gal. So, but that one that one is is up there and like some of my all time favorite movies. As always, uh, everybody check out moviesorelife.com for reviews, episodes, and more. Thank you so much uh, for doing this. <laughs> so, I, I know you said you were kind of nervous about it, but you did. You're awesome. You did great. Okay. Well, th- thank you. Um, I'll probably not sleep tonight and be like. Oh man, I meant to say this or, Oh shoot. What? Man, I really fumbled my words a lot, but I appreciate the praise. Um, well, this is, this is really fun. Um, yeah. I, I don't know how many people are out there really uh, dissecting Amelie these days, but I mean, I think we might've got the, got the market on this one. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Real quick. I wanted, uh, if, if I'm hungry and I need somewhere to go eat in Norman, where, where should I go? Well, if you want me to plug, my restaurants. Oh, yes. 
Uh, <laughs> Blue Fine Wine and Food has some of the most outstanding, creative, clever pizzas out there. And if you go between the hours of three and six, they're half price. Um, so fun. And um, the we recently added the truffle oil mashed potato um, and and pot roast sliders to the library menu. Personally, mm. my favorite patio in town is the library. It, it's the totally the neighborhood bar feel. Um, the cafe lights. I mean, the like cobblestone patio. I mean, it's it's literally a converted house um, that's over a hundred years old. It's original stained glass windows in the ceiling. But um, yeah, library bar and grill. One of my favorites. There are no books there, so don't don't go there looking for some light reading or literature. But and then blue fine wine and food. Yeah. yeah. Check that. Check those out, and uh, very much a part of Norman, and very close to campus as well. Mm -hmm. uh, OU's campus, so yeah, um, great places. Some of my favorite places to go. So, and that was before I met you, Nikki. So I'm just not saying that. So, all right, uh, yeah. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> well, uh, I hope you have a good night, and uh, um, now that you have your kid back, ho ho hopefully you'll get some good sleep tonight. <laughs> Will do. It was so fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Oh man, I've got to do that again. Yeah, thank you. My voice cracked. Right there. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming on.